from the city that never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program, featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And our phone number is 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. If you want to join our late-night national town hall forum, you're welcome to chime in on whatever topics we're discussing uh, in the first and second hour. And, of course, in hour number three, we can talk about anything that's on your mind with Open Phone America. So uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy this show because we've got a lot to cover tonight. Lots of news that's breaking today, lots of news that's been uh, in the news cycle for a little bit. And uh, things I think that we're going to want to discuss. Coming out of the White House, we've learned that Susan Rice, who's one of the advisors in the White House, former Obama aide, uh, is now stepping down from her domestic policy advisor role. Um, It's unclear if this has anything to do with Joe Biden potentially announcing his 2024 reelection bid tomorrow or if she's going to be jumping ship to maybe – float the idea of a Michelle Obama campaign. We don't know about that. Of course, huge story of the day. Tucker Carlson, the uh, eight o'clock anchor on Fox News is out, uh, as is Don Lemon, or as I like to call him, Don Limon. Don Limon is out at CNN. He announced on Twitter that he was fired. Carlson, um, the uh, as we hear it, just like last week with uh, Bongino, there was uh, talk of, of Carlson... Uh, parting ways, and they believe it had something to do with uh, not being able to agree on a contract and uh, the background on the contract. Now, Carlson gave a speech for Heritage Foundation about a week ago or sometime last week, and we have some audio of that speech, and I want to play it for you. But before we do that, a lot of people are shying away from from speculating and saying, well, we want to, want to wait and see what happens. I'm not going to wait for anything. I'm going to speculate because it's what I do. And my bet here is that, like any business, Fox News made some, made some missteps, I'm going to say. And the stuff that came out in the depositions with this case with Dominion, text messages and whatnot, uh, seemed to me to have cost uh, Murdoch and the Fox people a bunch of money. And I'm guessing they were happy to give out this money to make this problem go away. But at the same time, they wanted to hedge their bets and likely try and hold Carlson responsible one way or another, right? Whether it's um, saying, well, we're going to renew your contract, but for this, for a lot less or for this and that, or we want to build this into, you know, revenue targets or whatever it is. Uh, And again, this is my speculation, my theory, and that this is probably why they didn't get anywhere on this, because I'm guessing they wanted to recoup their money one way or another. Now, I think this is a miscalculation and a misstep on Fox News. Uh, Tucker Carlson has been in this game for a really long time, and he's been on multiple networks, and he stepped into uh, the um, O'Reilly factor, right? The eight o'clock slot on Fox News, which since its inception back in 1996, I believe, 
was hosted by Bill O'Reilly until he uh, departed Fox News. And then Carlson was officially named the the eight o'clock host. And Carlson was able to maintain that status that O'Reilly had, which was that of the most watched cable news hour in all of television, all of cable television, the 8 p.m. slot. It blew away all of their competitors. So I'm wondering if Fox is feeling a little bit more edgy, a little more ballsy and saying, you know what, it doesn't matter who's in that seat. We're always going to get that, which I believe is false. I don't think it matters. Um, uh, I, I think it does matter, right? Uh, I don't think that just saying that you, you because you have this slot that somehow it's magically just the, the audience is going to stay there. No, I think you have to have a host that people want to listen to. And whether you like him or don't like him, whether you agree or you disagree, Tucker Carlson was that guy. A lot of people wanted to watch Tucker. A lot of people, he's he's a, a big part of their evening, just as Sean Hannity is following that. So I think, again, big misstep for Fox News. Don't know who they're going to appeal to. Uh, they'll hold on to some of their base, but I think they're going to lose a lot of people. Uh, several people have told me that they're jumping ship and going to Newsmax. So we're going to see how that goes. Uh, but there's all sorts of reports out on how much Fox is losing in the um, in the realm of of its influence and and market value. So we're going to see what happens there. And uh, we're also going to talk with Kathy Barnett from uh, Vivek Ramaswamy's campaign. You know her from Pennsylvania. She ran for the United States Senate. Incredibly spirited campaign, by the way. And uh, she's going to chime in on. The last conversation that Don Lemon had, uh, the last dust up that he had where he claimed that Ramaswamy was not dark enough in skin tone to even have a conversation with uh, <laughs> with Don Lemon on television. It was the craziest thing. We have a clip of that. We'll play it for you in a little bit. But before we get to that, I want you to hear this clip of Tucker Carlson um, giving a speech at the Federalist Society. And to me... This seems to be one of the reasons why they said, you know what? It's not just the dollars and cents of it. This guy makes sense. He's telling the truth. And we don't know if we like all that. Again, this is what I surmise that some at, uh, at Fox or other places that may have influence uh, over the, the decisions that are made at Fox. Uh, I think this is what scared them the most. Listen to this. I don't think we're watching a debate over how to get to the best outcome. I think that's completely wrong. And I've come to this conclusion, not, and I should say at the outset, I'm an Episcopalian, so don't take any theological advice from me, because I don't have any. I grew up in the foul, shallowest faith tradition that's ever been invented. It's not even a Christian religion at this point. Um, I say with shame. But I'm just saying this as an observer of what's going on. There is no way to assess, say, the transgenderist movement with that mindset. Policy papers don't account for it at all. If you have people who are saying, I have an idea, let's castrate the next generation. Let's sexually mutilate children. I'm sorry, that's not a political debate. What? There's nothing to do with politics. What's the outcome we're desiring here? An androgynous population? Is that really what we are? We arguing for that? I don't, I, I don't think anyone could like, defend that as a positive outcome. But the weight of the government and uh, you know, a lot of corporate interests are behind that. Well, what is that? Well, it's irrational. If you say, well, you know, I think abortion is always bad. Well, I think sometimes it's necessary. That's a debate I'm familiar with. But if you're telling me that abortion is a positive good, 
What are you saying? Well, you're arguing for child sacrifice. Whoa. How's that for calling a spade a spade, right? And listen, that's what you've got to do sometimes. So uh, kudos to Carlson for telling the truth. Uh, it's a shame he won't be there, but say lovey, right? Uh, the, the guy is big enough to get together with Bongino, who uh, also parted ways with Fox last week. That These guys are huge enough to start their own network. Uh, so I, I, I think things are going to go really well for them in the future. Uh, probably better for them than it's going to be for Fox. Uh, but Fox announced all of this stuff with a uh, tweet saying Mr. Carlson's last program is Friday, April 21st. Fox News will air live at 8 p.m. Eastern time, uh, st- um, starting uh, an interim show with multiple personalities until a new host is named. So, yeah, very exciting to, to get the rotating guests, hosts, um, and I say that with, with um, the most facetious nature I can. It's uh, not a good look, right? I think it's going to hurt them. It's going to hurt them a lot. It's going to hurt them in terms of ratings. And it's uh, for everybody else to to win here, right? I mean, those who don't like TV or may not want to watch anymore, they're going to jump ship. They might go to a different channel. Heck, some of them might even come to radio. So we'll see uh, what happens with that. But we'll keep you up to speed on that. Plus, we're going to get into this conversation uh, that uh, Vivek Ramaswamy had with Don Lemon, Don Limong from CNN. And guess what? Don Limong is out. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. Rich Valdez and our guest is Kathy Barnett, grassroots director and advisor to the Vivek Ramaswamy 2024 campaign. And uh, what we're going to discuss here is Don Lemon's conversation with Vivek Ramaswamy on CNN, where he basically tells him, look, your skin isn't dark enough. You're not black. You can't debate me or even disagree with me. Uh, we played this audio, uh, I think, a week ago when it when this happened. Uh, I'll give you the, the, the Spark Notes version of it is they get into a conversation about a number of different things. And ultimately, um, when he's outwitted and outsmarted by responses that he just can't match wits with, he just says, well, look, you can't debate me on this because, you know, quite frankly, you're just not black. That's my paraphrase. That's the Rich Valdez paraphrase. Kathy Barnett, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks for coming on. And uh, tell us, um, what's your reaction to um, Don Lemon being dismissed shortly following this dust up with Vivek Ramaswamy? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. And let me also say that recap of yours of what went down was pretty accurate. (laughs) When Don Lemon was outsmarted and outwitted and had nothing else to do, like most of those who are anti-American, they fall, he fell back on old, tired, racist tropes because that's what it was. It was racist. Um, And so, but as I look at what took place today, You know, after after I finished laughing about it, um, you know, you you got to give it up to Chris Lick, who is the new uh, CEO of CNN. You know, there were 
several articles that came out when he took the helm of uh, CNN, I think last year, where he kind of spouted about how he wanted to make it more balanced. Well, this is certainly uh, moving in the right direction. Um, you know, he's gotten a, he's gotten rid of um, a number of those who were just cancerous to any kind of real change at CNN. So whether this continues, who knows, but it's one for the good of journalism. Um, yeah. Now, I, I, originally, uh, we, I didn't know that Don Lemon was going to get fired today, uh, but uh, I did know that he made these stupid comments. And I remember hearing it and saying, oh, my gosh, you know, it'd be great to get a reaction. Uh, we just had Vivek on this program recently and, and um, the opportunity to discuss this with you. And I said, you know what, let's definitely have that conversation. So it was a nice value add that we had this edition of Breaking News. But what is your 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 take um, on uh, and you gave us part of it. But ultimately, when anybody, not just Don Lemon, but when anybody really goes to these to these old, uh, like you said, old racist tropes of saying, look, look, you're just not black enough for me to have this conversation with. I, I, I personally reject that type of thing. I'm, my parents are Puerto Rican. I'm brown. I would never turn to somebody and say, listen, you're not Puerto Rican enough for me to have this conversation with. So forget about it. How, how does somebody get away with that? Well, I mean, well, you've seen it. We've all seen it for um, probably on steroids these past three years uh, since COVID, uh, that that is what the left, uh, those who are fundamentally anti-American, have used to shut down all conversations, not just conversations on the Second Amendment, as Don Lemon was trying to do, but conversations on the origins of COVID, conversations on whether it's a good thing to put COVID-19 positive patients inside of nursing homes, whether or not we should be uh, closing down our economy, closing down our schools and destroying people's lives. We were told, shut up, sit down, be quiet, just follow the experts, follow the science, trust the experts, right? And now, mm -hmm. three years 15 later. 15 days to flatten I, the curve. You know, that turned into about two and a half years. And it has created, mm -hmm. among many things, this culture of laziness where we have a very real uh, shortage in our uh, number of workers or in our pool of workers because people have gotten very used to the government just kind of rushing in with this artificial snow, as Bobate likes to call it like manna from heaven just falling down on people while they're sitting at home watching Netflix. You know, people have gotten very used and trained to that. And so it's very difficult to wean them off of the teeth of the government. And so, you know, we have some very real issues. But just think about the hypocrisy. Here you have a black man who's married to a white man who makes millions of dollars every year, and he's decrying racism and his experience and his black skin and trying to use that as a way to shut down all conversations. And so again, you know, got to give it up to, to Chris Flick at CNN. Let's see what happens after this. There's a lot that has to be done, but, you know, but I'm very proud. Um, and, and many people were inspired and encouraged by what they did. He had the courage to walk into the enemy's territory and, you know, quote unquote, the enemy's territory, those who are fundamentally opposed to um, our American way of life and um, and go in and speak truth, uh, speak logic, 
compete for the hearts and minds of those who listen to this to to people like Don Lemon on a regular basis. And and look, he was you know I think New York Times said because of the bait that was the last domino that fell. So bravo to the bait. All right, and we're going to play that uh, exchange uh, as soon as we come back from the break. But before we get to the break, I wanted to uh, uh, continue uh, down this line because I think there's a lot of shakeup, right? There's um, there's shakeup at Fox News. We're seeing changes there. We're seeing changes uh, at CNN. And I don't know that they're related in any way. I think they just happen to have come out on the same day. Uh, but what's your take? Do you think that there's a, a change that that's happening? Is is there some sort of seismic shift in media happening, or, or is this just mere coincidence? I'm not sure. I don't have a crystal ball. I can't really tell you beyond. You know, I'm walking through this just like you and looking at it and trying to understand, you know, um, for some time now, when you look at Fox News, there has been a seismic shift in their, in, in the quality of their conservative uh, values and, and the people who are on uh, that station and them sharing and them espousing those particular conservative values. Um, I really can't wrap my mind around why Tucker Carlson, uh, everyone loves him. Um, you know, he, I mean, Fox Nation, uh, I'll be very interested to see what happens there since it's essentially built around him. But going back to Don Lemon, I think, you know, this was, you know, if, if you look at a stack of dominoes, I think Vivek's interaction with Don was just the last domino to fall. And so, um, yeah, no spill milk there. Yeah, and again, I just want to reiterate, I, we'll get into this in detail in the next segment, uh, but uh, Don Lemon released a statement on on Twitter following his uh, departure from CNN saying he was shocked, he was stunned, uh, and CNN follows up with their own tweet saying, Don Lemon's statement about this morning's events are inaccurate. <laughs> So <laughs> that doesn't seem to be going very well for them. Anyway, folks, our guest is Kathy Barnett. She's with the Ramaswamy 2024 team. Uh, you know her from the Pennsylvania Senate race earlier this year. And uh, we're going to continue this conversation on uh, Carlson uh, parting ways and Don Lemon. Don Limon, he's out at CNN. Don't go anywhere. It's Rich Valdez, America at Night. Our guest, Kathy Barnett. Afford Anything talks about how to avoid common pitfalls, how to refine your mental models, and how to think about how to think. Paula, while certainly you can mess up on a million dollars a year, it is far less likely than it is on $30,000 a year. Right. I would meet wonderful people that were struggling with a budget that was super tight. It was 100%. You need to make more money. Make smarter choices and build a better life. Afford Anything, wherever you listen. Well, thank you, Rich, and thank you for everything. I know you very well, and I have I listen, but I have a lot of people that listen, and they love your show, and I appreciate it very much. America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
Well, here's where you and I have a different point of view. I think we should be able to express our views regardless of the color of our skin. We should have this debate I'm not saying you without me regarding views, you as a black man. Insulting that but you're me regarding you as a fellow citizen. That you're That's sitting what I think here, we see. whatever ethnicity you are, explaining to me whatever ethnicity about I'm, what it's like to be black. Whatever in ethnicity I'm, I'm I'll tell you what I am. I'm an Indian American. I'm proud of it. But I think we should have this debate. Black, white, doesn't matter. I think we should have this on debate on the content of the ideas. Do it. You should do it in an honest way and in a fair way. And what you're doing is not an honest and fair way. Okay. We appreciate you coming on. With due respect, Don, I look forward to continuing that conversation. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Papa. We'll talk about China. Yes, let's talk about China. Next time you come back. Oh, thank you. Much to say on declaring independence from China. Okay. All right. So much to say about China. Shoot, there was much to say about that exchange. Uh, Don Lemon basically shutting him down because uh, he couldn't. He couldn't make a a point. Right after he was uh, he was refuted, saying, "I don't know, care. You know, I don't know what ethnicity you are, whatever." I mean, this is very diminutive, very very uh, insulting, in my opinion. I think Ramaswamy was a gentleman and and handled it extremely well, probably because he's running for president. Uh, otherwise, I'm sure he could have gotten a little more gangster on him because I think everybody would have. Uh, Kathy Barnett, I mean, how do you respond to it? I think the guy's a champ. What do you say? Absolutely. You respond to it in the manner in which he did. You remain, your, you remain calm, you keep your composure, and you continue to speak back. And, you know, I mean, and poor Don, if there was anything to sympathize with him on, you know, they've had about three years where he could say stuff like that and it would have worked. So I'm sure, you know, he's just going back to his own personal experience that when he says things like, you can't talk to me about being black because you're not black, that would have worked before. And now all of a sudden, I think, you know, when you begin to bring on real issues, like, you know, grown men twerking in front of six-year-olds, you can no longer tell people, shut up, sit down, be quiet, you're a bigot. You know, because people are now watching what happens when you're quiet and you don't say anything and you allow these foolish ideas to take root in a society. It begins to corrupt good morals. And that's what you see when you have grown men, again, twerking in front of a group of six-year-olds. And so it just didn't work for Don. He thought it was going to work because it's worked in the past. But it's also a symptom of, of, of a much larger problem in our culture is that we have this cultural movement from those who are anti-American, who focus on our diversity and who would tell us that our strength is our diversity. Um, you know, because I'm black, I'm a woman, you're Puerto Rican, I think you said, you're a man, that mm-hmm. these are our strengths. They're not. The thing that has made this country strong is that very strong will, stubborn individuals came together as one around a set of ideals. And it is those ideals that you see that they constantly champion because you have many in our culture right now who are calling for a national divorce. I mean, anathema, God forbid. Instead, what Vivek is out here doing, one of the many things he's doing is bringing about a cultural revival, because I believe that is what we need. I believe we need Americans to begin to remember what it actually means to be an American, and it doesn't start with the color of my skin. Yeah, I I think that's true. (laughs) 
I think that's true. And it amazes me that this is even part of a conversation that we're having where we have to say that, you know, the color of our skin doesn't matter in a country where, you know, I think everybody and their mother, except for a handful of racists, you know, supported the the ideas uh, espoused and, and put forth by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. And today, many of those ideas come into question. Right. People saying, no, 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 we're not looking for we don't care about the content of your character. We care about the color of your skin. It's just amazing to me that we're in such a place, Kathy Barnett. How do we get out of this place? Politics aside, in terms of the culture war, what how do you envision that happening? Yeah, you know, Vivek says often fear is contagious, but courage is contagious, too. What you saw Vivek doing, walking into CNN, sitting down, keeping his composure and speaking truth, that is courage. And so we have a number of people who are also running for president who have said they will not take interviews from CNN, MSNBC and others. Why? Because according to them, they've said they're mean, right? And so if you think about it, if you can't sit in front of Don Lemon and go back and forth with him, how are you going to ever sit and have the courage to sit across from Xi Jinping and deal with the very real issues that we're contending with? So one, let's begin to display courage again. But secondly, let's go back to what does it actually mean to be an American? And again, Vivek talked about it, uh, uh, family, faith, family, patriotism, being proud of our country individualism, right? Being proud of our, of, of the work of, of what we built in our work and things like that and not allowing others to tell us to sit down, shut up, be quiet, just follow the science, listen to the experts. We understand what is happening and let's begin to do those things. All right. Now, Kathy Barnett, if people want to learn more about the work that you're doing with uh, Ramaswamy 2024, how do they hear from you? How do they uh, check out the campaign? Yeah, you can go to Vivek2024.com. That's V as in victory. I-V-E-K-2024.com. Learn more about him. You can also find Vivek on Twitter. Me, I'm at kathy for truth Outstanding. Well, I want to thank you for being with us and shedding light on this. I think it's an important topic, and I hope to have you back on soon. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. There's a few headlines that I want to share with you because as we continue through the evening, I want to get into a few things. One of the stories that's coming out baffles me. I'm just total incredulity here. In Texas, there there's cattle that have been found dead with Tongues and organs cut out, no blood was spilled. These are not fake headlines, these are real headlines. Um, a UFC fighter is now uh, wanted on an arrest warrant for, guess what, for fighting. Yeah, that's happening. And a Disney World worker has been taking videos up the skirt of theme park guests for years, according to deputies. Uh, somehow that doesn't shock me that somebody was videotaping up a woman's skirt. And they happen to work at Disney World. Boy. And an Ohio man attempted to burn down a church that hosted a drag queen brunch and story hour. That's according to the Department of Justice. So don't know how real that is, but we'll take a look at that as well. Straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. Plus your calls. 833-482-5337-8334-VALDEZ.
This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. brown he's bald and he's breaking it down it's america at night with rich valdez all right so you got some democrats that are taken to the airwaves to say you know what we absolutely have to regulate what's happening at fox news and because fox and tucker carlson they're inviting uh and inciting violence yep that's not me saying that that is my least favorite congresswoman from the bronx and queens alexandria ocasio cortez aoc all out crazy herself she was on msnbc yesterday and here's what she said we have very real issues with um what is permissible on air and we saw that with january 6th mm -hmm. And we saw that in the lead up to January 6th and how we navigate questions, not just of freedom of speech, but also accountability for incitement of violence. These are this is the line that we have to really explore through law as well. And do you think media organizations or social media platforms should be accountable for the role for, for being platforms for incitement? I believe that when it comes to broadcast television like Fox News, these are subject to to federal law, federal regulation in terms of what's allowed on air and what isn't. And when you look at what Tucker Carlson and some of these other folks on Fox do, it is very, very clearly incitement of violence, very clearly incitement of violence. And that is the line that I think we have to uh, be willing to contend with. So there you have AOC that she would be making Fidel Castro proud with her commentary on we need to police what the free press reports. Now, listen, I can make fun of the rest of them and the best of them, right? CNN, MSNBC, good old AOC, all out crazy herself, and anybody else they want to have on their circus and zoo. And I'm happy to go on the show if they, uh, if they invite me on, but they don't. But for her to sit here and say that we have to police these things, we have to make sure that we have to control what goes out on air. Now, yes, there's turn in terms of decency and whatnot, but when everything that you disagree with now is considered an incitement of violence, isn't that something? It's almost reminiscent of um, Che Guevara and Fidel Castro saying that everything that they stood for uh, was good and everything that the, the free enterprise economy, the free market economy, uh, everything America stood for was imperialism and colonialism. And they still do the same thing today. Now, just because you say something is imperialist and colonialist doesn't make it so. And just because she says that Tucker Carlson's inciting violence because he says things like, you know, uh, we, we shouldn't allow our children to be mutilated. Um, I tend to agree with that one. 
And it's just fascinating to me that that's where we are today, where we criticize our adversaries. I criticize my adversaries all day, every day. And I never say that they shouldn't have a chance to speak. In fact, I always say they should have a chance to speak, and they're welcome to call this program whenever they can. 833-4-VALDEZ. Let's go to Jim in Bowling Green, Kentucky. W-K-C-T. Jim, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Rich, how are you doing this evening? Happy Monday, my brother. Man, you just summed it up. This is what I wanted to say when I called in. Whatever happened, this country was founded upon debate. And when yeah. you start squelching an opinion just because you don't agree with it, when you try to regulate something that we say or think, where are we as a country? Yeah, and bad shape is where we are. Listen, Jim, I agree with you. I think we have to be able to have these conversations, which, again, people will from time to time uh, criticize me and say that I'm soft, that I'm a decent guy, but I've got to fight harder. Listen, I believe in the, the conversation. I believe that it's okay for you to think what you want to think. Now, of course, there are lines, right? We have to draw a line when it comes to children. We have to draw a line on, many of us draw lines in different places, right? For some people, they're willing to have conversations uh, on religion that go here, there, and everywhere else. Some people don't want to have those conversations on religion. Um, and some do it on policy. Some do it on politics. But I think we should have as much of these conversations as possible because we have to coexist with these people. So we might as well, A, know what they think, and B, have a conversation where we can get to a better place. I mean, there's a lot of people that are supporters of the program, fans of mine, that tell me, look, I'm an atheist. You, you know, you, you talk about your faith and, and whatnot, and uh, it doesn't really bother me, but I just, um, I think, you know, you should allow room for more people to say what they want. And I tell them, call, 833-4-Valdez. That's, that's, this is for you. You call, you share your mind, you say what you got to say, uh, just like you're doing, Jim. And, and I appreciate your call because I think it's important that we have these conversations and it doesn't have to end with, well, that's what's wrong with America. You're wrong with America. You're an effing a-hole and, you know, F you, right? That doesn't really solve a problem. That just creates more of a divide where we don't get to bridge that gap with a conversation, Jim. Well, and I mean, like me and you, we're on the same side, I think, probably, but we probably won't agree on everything 100%. Right. Nobody ever will, and that's what, to me, that's when you take away the debate, when you take away that conversation of what you're talking about, how in the world can we ever reach a middle ground? Exactly. That's exactly my point. People are always talking about getting back to a, a place of civility. That's how you do it right, is having these conversations. Now, some things are non-negotiable, right? Like trying to change a child's gender, brainwashing a child, having this, this mutilation of body parts and what they, what they want to call, we call mutilation and they call gender affirming care. Um, th these are debates we should continue to have because I'm not get, there's going to be no middle ground, right? The middle ground for me is if you're 18, 19, 20 years old, 21, 25, the older the better, and you decide that you want to be the opposite sex, then there should be a course of action for you. But before that, no, there sh that shouldn't happen. It shouldn't be encouraged in school. It shouldn't be hidden from parents. That's, a, that's a, I think that's a big defining issue in our time, and I agree with you. We have to be able to have all conversations freely, but there are some that are, frankly, non-negotiable, and we're not always going to agree. You're right, Jim. Well, like I say, and I don't know... I'll what I hate about where we're at in this country right now is 
there's such an extreme from the left to the right that if we can't talk, then people are ready to fight. And there, we, we've got to get a middle ground somewhere. I'm with you. There's certain things I'm not compromising on. You're not taking my guns. You're not taking my right to speak. And you're not going to force me to believe something that I just don't believe is right. Right. And, and there, there is a time to fight. I agree. I think there's a, you have to fight for the rights that we have. Right. Certain constitutional issues are not up for debate. They're not up for grabs. They're, they're not even in question. You might question them, but I'm not. Right. The Supreme Court's pretty clear. The, the Constitution's pretty clear. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one, Jim. I think uh, you're 100 percent spot on on that one. And we have to encourage the conversation and the civility and see where that goes, because otherwise, where are we, right? Like you said, where are we as a country? Excellent call, Jim. I appreciate the conversation. I'm looking forward to speaking with the rest of you. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, so there was these um, cattle found, like I mentioned, with their tongues and organs cut out with no blood spilled. Authorities in Texas are uh, saying that six cows were discovered dead on various properties along a state highway that spans three counties this week. The Madison County Sheriff's Office Uh, they're saying that while investigating the death of a six-year-old cow, they received five similar reports in the area near College Station that's spanning Madison, Brazos, and Robertson counties. Now, the uh, sheriff's office reported that other comparable mutilations have been reported across the United States, and authorities are collaborating to investigate what's going on. This reminds me of back in the days when people were finding, like, um, goats that were you know, um, found dead. And, uh, they thought it was a, a mystical, mysterious creature known as a chupacabra. This was happening back in Puerto Rico, back in the, eighties uh, and nineties. Anyway, authorities said the six year old cow had a clean, precise cut that removed the hide around one side of its mouth, as well as its tongue with no trace of, uh, blood spillage. The remains of the cow were not scavenged by any predators or birds, according to ranchers, who also noted that no signs of a struggle were found in the grass around the cow. The sheriff's office noted that each cow had been mutilated in a distinct location with no signs of struggle or disturbance. Look at that. Now, two of the cows had external organs removed in addition to being mutilated in a similar fashion. There were no footprints or tire tracks discovered in the vicinity of the decrease—excuse uh, me, the deceased cows, according to the Post. As of now, the cause of death for all six cows is unknown. Now, authorities have not yet commented on the case, and I'm just curious to know. Again, I make light of this, but... Um, this was a big deal back in the days when everybody was thinking about the chupacabra and uh, in Puerto Rico. And I'm thinking, is there like a new chupacabra that's like a chupavaca, right? A, a cow sucker that's destroying them, removing their tongues, sucking their blood and leaving them for dead with no tire tracks or footprints. I don't know. Is this some sort of crazy environmentalist that's saying, I'm going to get you for your methane farts, you darn cow? I don't know. 
but I think it's messed up either way. Speaking of the environment, we're going to have a conversation on the environment because, you know, it was Earth Day a couple of days ago, and we're going to talk about Earth Day a little bit later as well. I got some scoop on that. Anyway, it's Rich Valdez. America at Night continues right after this. Don't go anywhere. Never sleeps. 17 miles from Madison Square Garden, New York City. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez, America's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across America. And now, here is your host, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez. Happy Monday, hour number two of our program. If you want to join the conversation, our phone number is 833-482-5337, 833-4-VALDEZ, and that is Valdez with an S. You can also uh, chime in online, all of social media, at Rich Valdez with an S, and uh, let your voice be heard. Now, a couple of headlines. I'm not sure if you heard about this one, but uh, CNN fired Don Lemon. Uh, Tucker Carlson has parted ways with Fox News. Uh, There's a lot that we don't know about yet. I don't think he was fired. There seems to be a disagreement over contracting, just like there was with Dan Bongino. Uh, But we'll get to the the bottom of that eventually. Susan Rice has stepped down from her uh, role as domestic policy advisor. And uh, Joe Biden is scheduled to, uh, it's rumored that he's scheduling an announcement for president as early as tomorrow, Tuesday. So we're going to keep you posted on that one. Plus his partner in crime, Kamala Harris, or as I like to call her, Kamala Harris, the vice president. Kamala Harris, of course, is Spanish for how bad she is. Kamala Harris, the vice president, was at the University of Miami on Friday, and she says that climate anxiety is taking a toll on all of our young people. Listen to this. Last time I was here, I was at the Aspen Institute, um, and I know there's some people here who were part of organizing that, where with Gloria Stefan we talked about what is happening in this region and what's happening in our country and in the world on this issue. And there were young leaders there who I met with before I went on stage, and I said, tell me how you're talking with your peers. How are you experiencing this issue? And they hit me to something and a phrase that I had not heard before. They said, they talked about climate anxiety. Climate anxiety. The, the, the emotional, the, the, the psychological, the mental toll that the knowledge about this crisis is taking on our young people. So climate anxiety is what they're talking about. They started with, with global cooling, then global warming. Now it's climate anxiety following climate change. Gregory Wrightstone is a geologist and the executive director of the CO2 Coalition, and he's with us to talk about this. He's also the best-selling author of Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Gregory Wrightstone, welcome to the program. Oh, very good. And I am your uh, your counselor on climate anxiety, and I will counsel you <laughs> through this. Um, what, uh, in fact, we, we put a, a, 
a billboard up on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. Uh, mm. Some 60,000 people last year went through it every day. And it said, sleep well, there is no climate crisis. And what we do, uh, the CO2 coalition is some 125 of the top scientists in the world uh, that disagree with this notion of of the so-called climate consensus of of man-made catastrophic warming. And what we find are that the science, the facts, and the data tell us that, that in fact, uh, Earth's ecosystems are thriving and prospering, and the human condition and humanity are benefiting uh, from modest warming and increased CO2. We, we, we tell of a story, and it's very, very well backed up with science, facts, and data of, of a prospering planet. Um, of a humanity that's prospering because of this. And, and what we do is celebrate the increase of CO2 and its many benefits. And as you know, if you remember back to, to middle school, mm-hmm. uh, you probably did science fair projects. You had a, you probably put a, a green bean or something in a little styrofoam cup on the sure. windowsill and, and you planted it and it grew Uh and it was you learned about photosynthesis, and you learned right. that water, sunlight, and carbon dioxide are all uh, equal contributors to the growth of plants. And what we're seeing is that the increase of CO2 uh, that we've seen since the Industrial Revolution is, is just turbocharging uh, plant growth from the near polar regions to the equator, almost every ecosystem on Earth has been benefiting from increasing carbon dioxide. And this is the this is the demon molecule that they're preaching against. They're saying that they're, they're we call it the miracle molecule, carbon dioxide. Uh, they're calling it the demon molecule uh, because they, they say it's leading to catastrophic warming. And there's uh, there, there, there's so many things uh, that, that we can show that they're just wrong about this. And in fact, instead of catastrophic consequences that are occurring, we see huge benefits. But Gregory Wrightstone, how could it be if we have all these increases in these crazy weather things like droughts and heat waves and tornadoes? Um, all, all of that is the the fault of my SUV. It's a gas guzzler. Isn't that right? <laughs> well, uh if that were occurring, perhaps we could argue that. But the fact of the matter is, let's take a look at tornadoes to start with. Uh, F3, the largest F3, F4, F5 tornadoes have definitely been in, in a strong decline for the last 30, 40, 50 years. Uh, they're not increasing. They're declining. Uh, there, we see that uh, extreme weather events are also in decline. We see that... Uh, Extreme weather-related deaths have declined some 98% over the last 100%. Yeah, 100 years. 98% decline in extreme weather-related deaths. Now, granted, a lot of it has to do with better better uh, reporting, better predictions, better forecasts. You know, we hear uh, there's a tornado coming. Get into your basement. Get in there now. And we do that. Yes, there's no doubt, but it's completely contrary to what we're being told of, of increasing death. We see that uh, the other thing we look at is uh, 
um, heat-related mortality, temperature-related mortality. We find the largest study of its kind uh, by Antonio Gasparini looked at 74 million temperature-related deaths. He found that, and it was not just him, but there was a team of worldwide physicians, found that 20 times as many people die from cold-related deaths as heat-related deaths. Mm. 20 times as many people died to cold, due because of cold and heat. So what does that tell us? Global warming saves lives. And <laughs> we, 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 it does. It just does. Uh, you, there's a recent report. Uh, the EU looked at it, and they, they said, well, and the headline was, global increased heat is going to kill X number of people. And that's true. More, more heat. If we have more heat-related events, more people die from the heat. But the big story that they that went unreported was there were some twelve to fifteen times as many people that would be spared from cold-related deaths because of that. And that's what they do. Is they, these are uh, they manipulate the data uh, to present. Uh, this this notion of the climate Armageddon is coming because of our of our climate excesses, and there's there's just the, the facts just don't support that. Uh, but they they they're supported with a media that tells nothing uh, but this so-called consensus of catastrophic warming. Folks, we're on with geologist and executive director of the CO2 Coalition, Gregory Wrightstone. He's the best-selling author of Inconvenient Facts, the science that Al Gore doesn't want you to know. And so far, I mean, you talk a good one, sir. Uh, it makes sense to me, but I'm going to run this by my other counselor. His name, John Kerry. And his advisor, Jen Psaki. Let's see what they have to say about it. Folks, don't go anywhere. We're on with Gregory Wright, uh, Wright, excuse me, Wrightstone, and we're coming right back. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. In a recent NBC yeah. poll from August, voters ran climate change as the fifth most important issue. Can you make the case for it being number one? It's getting hotter. There are going to be more intensive weather events, and it will cost us an awful lot more money. So as that happens, as people see their farms, you know, the crops ripped away or their homes destroyed, you watch the pressure grow. And I believe we're in a transformational moment. I think this will be one of, if not the, but it'll be one of the top three issues in the 24 presidential election. No question in my mind. All right, that is America's uh, climate czar, John Kerry, on with former White House press secretary and now MSNBC host, Jen Pasirkelback Pasaki, Silent P. Of course, our guest is Gregory Wrightstone. He's a geologist and the executive director of the CO2 Coalition and the author of the best-selling book, Inconvenient Facts, The Science That Al Gore Doesn't Want You to Know. And, of course, he is our climate anxiety counselor. Gregory Wrightstone, what do you think about what John Kerry just said? 
if we, if we look at recent polls, and not just recent, but, but polls over the last several years, show that it, case after case after case, uh, climate change rates at the very bottom of, of, of people's concerns. The most recent one, they had 15 different subjects uh, from uh, energy, cost, every, you know, whatever it is, and, and climate change was, was 15th. And now wherever you get it, wherever we have these polls, it's the bottom rated concern. People aren't concerned about this. Uh, they're trying. And with the push, and it's, it's every day we hear about it, but yet people have this great time. And we have – what we see, Rich, is that over the last several years, people have had and seen – a great distrust of experts, haven't we? We've seen that, you know, with the COVID, we've seen that people were told uh, that were experts have proven to be wrong time and time again. And Not I Dr. Think Fauci. That, oh, yes. Uh, uh, <laughs> and exactly. Uh, and uh, so we, 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 we're, we're, we're showing, we're seeing that they're, they're talking about this consensus of scientists. Well, People are doubting that, and we provide the science facts and data to dispute that. Uh, the big thing, we just sent out another email today uh, concerning, well, there are a number of things. We, we send out weekly newsletters. So if you go to co2coalition.org, co2coalition.org, uh, you can sign up for these. These are uh, my, my goal for our newsletter. It's one a week is to provide information that you're going to go and you're going to get it. You're going to say, huh, I didn't know that. Isn't that interesting? And today's, today's email we sent out, we talked about that they're warning about, um, uh, that, that if we cross this threshold of one and a half degrees of warming, uh, from pre-industrial society, temperatures uh, will we'll then plunge into these climate catastrophe events. Well, we've already warmed one degree, okay? So what they're warning against, we can't get another half degree warming of warmer than what we are today. Well, okay, well, let's take a look at that. And I, what I did in this email today was, okay, well, let's take a look. One half of one degree Celsius uh, equates to about nine-tenths of a degree Fahrenheit, less than one degree of Fahrenheit that we usually here in the United States look at. Mm. How can we solve that? If you move a little bit higher elevation, um, uh, 500 feet higher in elevation, or if you move 30 miles further north, that would be the equivalent of nine-tenths of a degree Fahrenheit of warming. So you could solve that by just doing that. So, for example, if you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, you could move 30 miles north up to, let's just say, Wilmington, and and you'll you will change that temperature that they're warning. They're they're telling us that that half a degree of warming uh, that we're going to see is going to be catastrophic. Well, no, it's not. It's not at all. We see that we see that same amount of warming between 10 a.m. and noon virtually every day of the year. Um, so, no, this is just ridiculous. Uh, 
And, and you talked about my book, Inconvenient Facts. I'm just going to brag a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was yesterday. It was number one bestseller uh, on Amazon once again. Nice. Uh, it's been just hugely uh, successful. People just love it. And the reason is it's, it's I'm a scientist, but I, I write and I talk about things that, that the regular Joe off the street or Jane off the street can understand in, in, a, in a reasonable manner. And we present this science, facts, and data uh, that they can digest and understand to find out that, that, that we know we're not going into the next to, to this climate catastrophe that they're predicting. So you mean when AOC says that the world is ending in 12 years, that this information is not accurate? <laughs> well, if you look back over uh, the last uh, 40 years of predictions, you'll find that uh, virtually all of them have, been, have failed. They've all predicted uh, terrible consequences and, and uh, horrible events, and, and none of them come to pass. And you know, we we look at at things like fires and floods and sea. Well, why don't we just talk? Let's talk about sea level for a moment. Do we have a few minutes to do that? We and, I think we have about a minute and a half. All right. Well, let's talk about sea level. The United Nations says the Maldives, the Nyalan chain in the Indian Ocean, is the most mm-hmm. at-risk island. All right. The highest point on the island is fourteen feet above sea level. Fifteen thousand years ago. The Maldives were also just above sea level. In that 15,000 years, sea level has risen 400 feet. The Maldives continue to grow. It's a geologic process known as accretion. Hmm. Over the last 15,000 years, 400 feet of sea level rise. The sea, the island has grown to accommodate that sea level rise. But they're, what they're saying is, well, and bear in mind that the best estimate of sea level rise to 2100 is about seven inches. Well, they're saying that what they're wow. just think about this. They're telling you 400 feet of sea level rise didn't put the Maldives underwater, but the next seven inches will. You know, you better be careful. And, and no, the same geologic processes known as accretion, will continue to occur. And also the Maldives, have, there, there, there are 14 uh, seaside resort complexes being constructed right now in three airports, all funded by equity companies and insured by a multinational insurance <laughs> So they're not planning company. on going under anytime soon. Exactly. Gregory Wrightstone, geologist and author of Inconvenient Facts, the science Al Gore doesn't want you to know. Pick up two copies of the book so you can debate all your liberal friends. Doc, thanks for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. All right, folks, more to come straight ahead. While you're picking up that book, we're getting ready to discuss Earth Day. And who shares a birthday with Earth Day? Vladimir Lenin. Valdez, who again will do a fine job, but I know you'll enjoy listening to it. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. 
All right, America, welcome back. Now, right before the break, I gave you the answer to the trivia. I was supposed to tease it with just a question, so I let the cat out of my own bag over here. But listen, I was supposed to say, now, what historical figure shares a birthday with Earth Day? And I was supposed to leave you hanging, and then we come back, and I give you the big whopping punchline here, and it's, yep, Vladimir Lenin shares a birthday with um, Earth Day. And I tend to think that it might be a little bit more nefarious than, than we think it's just a coincidence, right? But to here to make sense of it is the eponymous communism historian known as Jimmy from Brooklyn, New York. If you're an avid talk radio listener, you've heard him on talk radio programs for more than 30 years. He was featured in the film Enemy Within. It's a documentary that you could catch on Amazon Prime with Trevor Loudon. Excellent film, um, and he's an excellent scholar when it comes to communism and the history of it. Jimmy from Brooklyn, welcome, sir. Oh, I love that intro. Thank you. You bet, Jimmy. Go ahead. Yeah, no, go for it. Your instinct is right about Lenin's birthday. Lenin's birthday is Earth Day. And it was founded, you know, here's a little bit of a little bit of a trick the communists tried to do. Gaylord Nelson was at an anti-war protest with his friends from the KGB front group Institute for Policy Studies. So Gaylord Nelson uh, in 1970 declared Earth Day. But it was the next year, if, if I'm understanding it here, it was the next year that he openly said April 22nd is Earth Day. Well, anyway, it's Lenin's 100th birthday. So in honor of Lenin, they created Earth Day. The idea that we have to destroy the uh, American and the free world's energy sector to save the planet. It's absolutely brilliant. Now, this goes back to Marx. Basic, basic Marxism, just like in Christianity, there's different parts of Christianity, but the basics are pretty much in agreement. Mm-hmm. Basic Marxism, you've got to have the farm uh, workers against the farm owner, the tenants versus the landlord, the factory workers versus the factory owner. So you had the poor or the oppressed versus the oppressor. But when you get a country like America and most of the modern countries, you can't kind of incite people that way. So how do you pull people into the communist movement? Well, you got to con- one way is to convince them that the fossil fuels we use are destroying the planet. And uh, to save the planet, we've got to destroy our energy sector. It's, it's brilliant because you could get in the room with a hundred of the most uh, militant environmentalists and ask them, is anybody here a communist? And they may say no. But if you ask anybody here an anti-communist, you may get a couple of hands up because you have good people mm-hmm. who believe we're destroying the environment. So they don't know it. They're actually working for communism because and the this communists is the, the term the communists came up with called a useful idiot. Isn't right? A useful idiot. That's right. And we have useful idiots all over the place. I had Christian friends years ago, devout Christians who went out in the street to rescue drug addicts and prostitutes. And it was so hard talking to the prostitutes. Some of them actually thought and actually think that their pimp really loves them. So logic doesn't matter, truth doesn't matter, we all see it, but some people just can't see it 
That's how it is with some of these people working in the communist movement. They just don't realize it, and it's almost impossible to, to uh, convince them otherwise. Now, the old way of war, and uh, the communists actually wrote about this, the old way of war, the enemy attacks your oil depot, your oil refinery, they attack your factories, they bomb and kill the people. Well, look what the communists succeeded in America. They didn't bomb our factories. They got us to send our factories to communist China. They didn't bomb our energy sector. We're destroying it. They didn't bomb us. They're killing us with the virus and fentanyl and heroin. It is really brilliant. Now, that sounds like a new thing, something novel. But 2,500 years ago, in the art of war, Sun Tzu, who is the best uh, theoretician on war, philosopher of war, said that armed conflict is the most primitive form of warfare. So 2,500 years ago, there were people realizing armed conflict is primitive. So out of that, you get economic warfare, racial warfare, environmental warfare, gender warfare, everything else. It is and absolutely of psychological brand. warfare. Oh, yeah, yeah. They, they, they got the idea that parents will take their kids to have their genitals mutilated the KGB is probably giggling like schoolgirls in, in, in the Kremlin, mm -hmm. what they've been able to achieve here. And a lot of people don't want to understand that. But in the, if you read the communist press and the Soviet press, they lay out what they're going to do. Then they brag when they achieve it, and then they say what they're going to do. So in reality, you, I don't even call it any longer a communist conspiracy because all of it was written about. How do you think I was able to expose things 35, 36 years later? Well, and tell us a little bit about it. How, how did you go about that process? Well, as a kid, I, I was interested in communism. I had kids, friends who grew up under communism or fled communism with their families. So I heard about people who, who lived under and fought against Hitler. I read, I had friends that, uh, I mean, some of them, it was pretty rough. I had friends that they weren't allowed to have toys. So every time I went there as a little kid, I brought toys to play with them, and I gave it to them. I go back a few days later, the toys are gone. It turned out the father, who grew up under communism and, and Hitler, he wanted his kids to grow up tough. He didn't want six-year-old kids shouldn't play with toys. It's going to make them sissies. So some people trying to protect their kids for the reality of the harsh real world, they would, some of them in some cases were denying their kids toys because they thought the world is tough, it's rough, you've got to be tough. And Jimmy's coming here playing toys like little kids, six, seven years old. I mean, it's incredible. Wow. So that got me really deeply interested. And then I started seeing communism coming around me. And then with the Vietnam War, all of a sudden I saw people moving into lower Manhattan who weren't from here. And they were opening little storefronts. And they were communists openly. So that got me really involved. They started going to meetings. I heard them talk about what they want to do with American youth, politicize, radicalize, militarize. And the goal is to do that to minorities. Uh, that's not Communist Party. That's some of the communist, like the college students, that level. They work on all levels. It is absolutely brilliant, and I'm amazed that nobody sees this as an interesting area of study. People will spend their life studying sharks. It's interesting. You know, growing <laughs> flowers and how they pollinate, that's interesting. Yeah, there's a whole week but, for sharks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and I'm not into sharks, but I watched Shark Week, and I enjoyed it. But see, it doesn't make a difference for me one way or the other about sharks. What I studied is something that's going to affect all of us, whether we want to or not, whether we care or not. You can't hide 
from the uh, the communist movement. It's all over the place. We are now what I think could be the final push. We are really that close. And Earth Day, let's get back to Earth Day. Well, before we get back to the final push and Earth Day, I just want to remind everybody, we're on with uh, Jimmy from Brooklyn. He's the eponymous communism historian from Brooklyn, New York. And uh, he's uh, breaking it down for us. We're going to continue with him, plus your phone calls uh, straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm going to get to your calls momentarily. 866-505-4626 is our legacy line, always available. And, of course, uh, the Valdez hotline, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Radio six years in a row. It's Rich Valdez. All right, America, welcome back again. Our number eight three three four Valdez. Let's go to Todd in Atlanta. We're talking about the environment and Earth Day and how it's really Lenin's birthday. Todd on WGKA. Go right ahead. You're on with Rich Valdez and Jimmy from Brooklyn. Hey, uh, Rich, uh, uh, great guest tonight, especially uh, Jimmy. I uh, just want to say that, you know, Marxism is political Satanism, and he is uh, he's right on point about what's happening in our country. And and fear is mind control, and, and all this stuff they're doing with uh, the environment um, it, it's, it is astounding because I keep asking why nobody wants to talk about that little yellow ball up in the sky called the sun. Mm. You know, that is what gives us the miracle of photosynthesis. Um, they've been studying it, you know, with satellites since the 1960s. I mean, there's like magnetic pole reversals and coronal mass ejections and a waning magnetosphere. I mean, it's just, you know, the way the sun affects the environment is so profound and it's never part of the equation because I know that, you know, these same experts that tell us that Bruce Jenner is a woman are telling us that, you know, CO2 is poison. And, you know, on John Kerry's private jet, he's got champagne bottles and cans of cola that are loaded with CO2. So why are we consuming it if it's poison, right? And if mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Bezos, these billionaires want to help the environment instead of day tripping into space, maybe they could plant uh, millions of trees and plant uh, millions of, uh, of, of seagrass in the, in the oceans. You know, it seems so simple to me, but like I say, fear is mind control, and it's a communist plot, and this is the greatest show on the radio at night. Oh, man. Well, Todd, you're very kind, and you know, there's a saying that daylight is the best disinfectant, and when you drop those pearls of wisdom like you just did, uh, facts have a a, a funny way of of messing up fiction, (laughs) and and that's ultimately what what we get from so many on the left, so I appreciate what you're saying. And, and your thoughts. And excellent point. Let's not forget about the sun. There's a lot to, to look out for. Big shout out to everybody listening on WGKA. Thank you, Todd. Now, Jimmy, we left off with the uh, going back to Earth Day. Let's pick up where we left off. Yes, it was the guy when I mentioned Gaylord Nelson, he was a senator. And he was working with people from the tax-exempt 
tax-exempt KGB Front Group Institute for Policy Studies. So working with them, he's in that circle. Now, one of the founders and leaders of this tax-exempt KGB Front Group was Marcus Raskin, whose son Mm -hmm. is Congressman Raskin, who's trying to topple MAGA. We are in the middle, we're past the middle of a communist revolution here. Now, the old way was, uh, according to communism, is uh, workers led by their communist party. Okay, so it's the everything is communist party. Workers led by the by their communist party are the driving force of history. Well, they broadened that because there's not enough. We have a good, big, strong middle class. There's very few workers that are in harsh conditions. I mean, we have unions. We have all kind of things to kind of, you know, smooth the, the sharp edges off the wheels of capitalism. So they broaden it. It's not only workers led by their communist party. It's blacks led by their communist, gays led by their communist, women led by their communist, feminist, uh, transgenders now, uh, youth, and they pull it all together. If you go to Italian restaurant, you've got a selection. Yeah, of they're communists too? The Italian no, restaurant? No, I'm just, ma- I'm just making an analogy for some people that okay. need an analogy. You go to Italian restaurant, all Mexican or Chinese. Italian restaurant, you go in, you got four or five different sauces, several dis- different pastas, several different cheeses, several different wines. There's variations of it, different combinations of it. So it's a very broad selection, but it all pulls together. You only get it at that Italian restaurant. That's what the communists did. They made a broad selection of variants, mo- various movements, all led by communists, all organized, controlled, and well thought out. And then it's all pulled together when you vote, when you vote the Democrat Party. That's how you're getting it. A Soviet-trained leader of the American Communist Party, Gus Hall, said the best way to help the cause of communism is through the liberal wing of a Democratic Party. They've got control of the party now. now I can Gus tell Hall, you. Gus Hall, just let's back up. Gus Hall is the gentleman that ran for president on the Communist Party USA ticket. Is that right? Right. And on America's 200th birthday, John Brennan voted for him. So John Brennan, who headed the CIA and was working against Trump, John Brennan voted for the Soviet guy running for president in America on America's 200th birthday, 1976. This stuff is, is so deep, it's, and it's not a secret. This is all public information, but who reads obscure communist stuff? I do. Soviet stuff. I read the Chinese. I read the Chinese papers. You know, when, when, the, when China first became communist, it was called Soviet China. So now people are saying, oh, Biden is pushing Russia into China's arms. China, Russia, America, Iran, they've been connected for 100 years through the communist parties in Russia, China, America, and Iran. So whoever is the president, who's ever the leader, whether it's the Shah of Iran who is pro-Western or the radical Islam now, all these countries, all the countries all over the world have communist parties in them. And that's in the communist publications. It's in Soviet publications. So all the communist parties worldwide, there's only one communist party, that organizes them, meets with them, and publishes publications in every language and sends it to every country around the world. That was the Communist Party of the Soviet Union. So the Soviet Union supposedly collapsed, but before they supposedly collapsed, in their publications, Gorbachev and them said, we're going to take away the image of the enemy, meaning the communist threat, and that will strengthen the socialist forces in the capitalist countries. Years later, you see it now.
Canada. Yep. Communists have pretty much in control here. They have pretty much control. The Mexican president, communist, in, in uh, 1990, remember, the Soviet Union was supposedly collapsing, 89, 90, 91. That's when it was the changes were coming. So in 1990, there was a big meeting, Sao Paulo. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, because it's yeah, Portuguese. Yeah, Sao Paulo. Sao Paulo, Brazil. Yeah. So the communists met. You had the, the guy who's the president of Mexico now. You had a couple of other people, presidents of Latin America. And they, they organized this. I... There's a rumor that this current pope attended at, but I can't find any proof hmm. of that. So as communism was supposedly collapsing, they were being strengthened here. Obama got into the White House, right? Obama's mentor was a Soviet agent named Frank Marshall Davis, who was on a special list to be arrested immediately if we had war with the Soviets. Uh, a woman named uh, Palmer, Alice Palmer, attended the Soviet Union Convention, not, listen to this, 1986, the 27th Congress, Communist Party, Soviet Union. Alice Palmer from Chicago attended that event and came back to America praising the Soviet Union. And then a few years later, she gave up her seat to Obama. Obama was, was groomed for this position. And uh, so we defeated communism, but now look what's going on in America. It's rearing a new head in a new way. Jimmy, stand by. We've got a couple of minutes left with you right after this break. 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. That's 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. All right, America, welcome back. We're talking about the roots of Earth Day and how it shares a birthday with Vladimir Lenin, the communist movement that is afoot, and how warfare might be conducted without any type of conventional arms. Jimmy from Brooklyn is our guest. Jimmy is a historian on, on all things communist. And Jimmy, for those that are listening that are skeptical, that say, oh, this guy is a McCarthyite, this guy sees a communist behind every bush, what do you say to the skeptic uh, to help them understand? 30 seconds. We have, a, we have 150 million dead bodies to prove the communist threat. The communists brag about what they've done. They toppled the Shah of Iran. The Shah was like a king. Iran was a stable pro-Western country. The Communist Party of Iran toppled the Shah. Ever since, the, Iran now is a, basically a Soviet puppet. Uh, Iran is a proxy of Russia. Iran has proxy terror groups all over the world. While they were toppling the Shah, the Shah, the Shah was working with the Soviets and the UN, celebrating the Soviets publishing research on ancient Iran. So the Shah was working with the people who were trying to destroy him. Absolutely incredible. And the Shah was aware of communism, but still got fooled. I worry about Trump thinking the Chinese mm -hmm. and Russian leader like him. They don't like you. They're trying to destroy us. I don't think he thinks they like him. I think he says, I get along with them. I think he, he realizes it's uh, one of those relationships that matters. Jimmy, I want to thank you for joining us. Very, very uh, excellent education. Got to do it more of it, right, Rich. You bet. We will. And, folks, your calls and more coming up. It's Open Phone America. 
833-4-VALDEZ. Don't go anywhere. Don't move a muscle. city that never sleeps 17 miles from madison square garden new york city it's america at night with rich valdez america's favorite late night talk program featuring interesting guests from around the world and calls from across america and now here is your host rich valdez Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, and I want to invite you to join our late-night national town hall forum. Give us a call. Let your voice be heard. 833-4-VALDEZ is the phone number, and this is a time-honored tradition. Of course, this show, um, going back to 1978 when Larry King created Open Phone America, uh, maintains that tradition. It was upheld by Jim Bohannon for 30 years, and here we are continuing that tradition tonight with you all that are listening. Pick up your phone, give a call, chime in on the conversation. Now, some of the headlines that I'm looking at tonight that we've been discussing, CNN's fired Don Lemon, Susan Rice is stepping down from her role as a domestic policy advisor in the White House. Some are saying she's going to go advise Michelle Obama on a potential White House bid. I say absolutely not. I don't believe the Obamas will ever run for office again. It would mess up their cash flow, but I could be wrong. And uh, the New York Times is now admitting some concerns about Biden's age and saying that these might be legitimate concerns. Meanwhile, you've got um, House Democrats that continue talking a lot of jazz about just about everything as we get closer and closer to the um, debt ceiling. And there's a report from the New York Post, Miranda Devine, saying that Hunter Biden might be hiding out at the White House to avoid legal papers from his baby mama, who's been suing him over child support, and they sued her back so that the kid doesn't have the Biden last name. It's just been an ugly thing. Even, um, I think, Newsmax reported over the holidays that they hung stockings for every grandchild except that grandchild uh, that um, was fathered by Hunter and a... um, an exotic dancer. So um, interesting stuff going on there. Now there's other news. There is uh, NBC News and Yahoo News are reporting a shortage of the popular drug Adderall, which is used for ADHD. It's a medication that's leaving some parents in limbo, wondering if they're going to have pills enough, the ones that they need to help their children and their loved ones. Now, experts say that shortages of medication aren't very rare. It happens all the time. But a shortage of the ADHD medication in this category seems to be worse than any other we've seen. Now, Jessica McBride is one of the parents who's in medication limbo and um, not a good place to be. Right. This is an unsettling and unfortunate place to be for many people because they're saying, you know what, Uh, I'm I'm in really bad shape or my child or family loved one is in really, really bad shape. So it's uh, it's it's an interesting place to be. And I'll I'll continue on that vein a little bit. I also wanted to uh, 
jump ahead a little bit uh, because there's there's also some conversation from Alan Brown. He's uh, an ADHD expert from the website ADD Etude or Attitude, and that looks inside the ADHD mind. And there um, there's been a look at men with ADHD and how some of them go through what they call emotional dysregulation, anger, and shame. Now, I happen to be an adult man with, with ADHD, and I don't know that I, I, I probably do go through emotional dysregulation. I don't get too angry, and I'm definitely not ashamed. But interesting to see how this plays out, because I could see how that could play out if you don't have a grasp of this stuff. But uh, I want to get into this topic a little bit, because I think it's important for us to know what's going on with this because I think there's not enough attention being given to this topic of a, of an Adderall shortage. And I think oftentimes we, um, we, we kind of take these things for granted. So if you're a parent or loved one or anybody like that that uh, is dealing with this Adderall shortage, uh, let me know. Uh, give me a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, because I want to jump into that topic a little bit. But it's uh, we're about seven months into this national shortage of Adderall, and you've got pharmacists that are, you know, constantly advocating for their patients, and people are going to different places to get it, to fill it in different pharmacies, and all because they're saying they just didn't make enough, and apparently everybody realized they needed Adderall, when we were all home because of COVID-19, right? They said, we're going to shut everything down. All of a sudden, everybody realized, my gosh, I'm so distracted. Now, I can only imagine that there's people that are abusing and then there's others that might be confused. And then, of course, there's that underlying group of people that absolutely need Adderall to function. Now, full disclosure, while I, I do have ADHD, I don't use Adderall ever. Um, part of the magic, I think, of being unpredictable and, and kind of spontaneous is is the ADD for me. So I kind of enjoy doing live radio without any guardrails. I, would, I don't know what life is like. Uh, once I tried ADD medicine and uh, the quote I'll leave you with is, it was interesting to see what normal was like for a little while, but definitely uh, not something I'm going to do on a daily basis. Now, the FDA first confirmed this nationwide shortage of Adderall in October after there was a huge surge in demand for the ADD drug with uh, the coronavirus pandemic. Supply problems have improved since then. However, pharmacies say they're still unable to keep the drug or enough of it, uh, even the generic, in stock. The supply problem obviously means people who need this uh, ADHD drug are forced to turn to different medications or wait several weeks to get their prescriptions filled. Uh, here's a quote from the owner of K Pharmacy in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Um, we mainly receive calls from people asking if we have the medication in stock and we have to tell them that we don't, said Mike Kozler, uh, because the shortage has hurt his business pretty severely financially because he doesn't have enough supply for his regular customers, forcing the people that are you know trying to become customers to seek the drug elsewhere. So my question is, A, have you been going through this? And B, uh, what do you think Biden's going to do to alleviate this? This is just one ailment that affects kids in school, adults at work, you name it and whatnot. Um, there's also um, Ritalin that has always worked historically and maybe not as well as uh, the uh, the other brands, but 
that's also in short supply. So people are frustrated, people are worried, uh, people are very concerned, and uh, it makes sense to me, right? Anyway, um, we're going to get to your calls and more straight ahead on this and all of the other topics as well. We talked about communism, we talked about Stalin, we talked about free speech, we talked about so many things tonight, and I want to get to your calls on all of them. So give us a call, 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-482-5337. America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. want to listen to you, Rich, all the time. America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, we're going straight to your calls. We've got calls from Michigan, South Carolina, Cleveland, Ohio, West Virginia, all over the country. Let's go to Kim. She's in Michigan listening on KDKA Online. Kim, welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Hi, Rich. Thank you. I enjoyed listening to Jimmy, and I don't think he was paranoid. I think he was exactly right that they've, when the communists have gone a roundabout way. And I heard on one of my conservative shows, I don't know, five, ten years ago, I told a relative about this. I said, you know who started Earth Day? I said, it was a communist hippie college student named Ira Einhorn and he killed his girlfriend and put her in a in a wow. uh, footlocker in his closet for a year and a half until she started leaking into the neighbor below and then he fled to France for like I don't know it was like 10 or 15 years is, this, is Ira a friend of yours Kim how do you know this guy um well I saw it on a crime show but I also heard it on um my conservative shows. Hmm. Ira Einhorn. The girl he killed was his living girlfriend, Holly Maddox. And like I said, he put her in a uh, footlocker in his closet for a year and a half and continued to live in the apartment. I think it was in New York or something. I'm not sure. This is crazy. But yeah, Um, they finally extradited him back to the U.S. Um, He's living in England and France, but he was a big starter back around night of of Earth Day, back around 1970 or a little bit before. But um, yeah, I said, so don't celebrate Earth Day too much. He was a commie and a hippie, and anyways, he was right. And um, oh, I want to say something else too. I lost my train of thought. Happens to me all the time. It's the lack of ADD medicine. But, Kim, if it comes back, give us a call back. Thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Big shout-out to everybody listening on KDKA. Let us continue. Let's go to Tommy in Charleston, West Virginia. Tommy on WCHS. Welcome. You're on with Rich Valdez. Go right ahead. Uh, Thank you, Mr. Valdez, for this opportunity. Uh, Let me... uh, My pleasure. Let me uh, say that... uh, uh, I go back a few years in a working life to the time when 
I was a teacher for emotionally disturbed kids for four years. And uh, the they were called attention deficit disorder, the hyperactivity, I think, uh, worked its way into the lexicon. Yeah, that's actually the one I have. I have. I don't have a hyperactive bone in my body other than, like, restless leg. But, yeah, go right ahead. Well, uh, <clears throat> you have to understand that there was a time when the kids were classified under state law and mm-hmm. federal law as emotionally disturbed. That was later modified in the late 1990s to be behavior whatever. I forget the lexicon. Uh, and I taught these kids, and I have to uh, point out to you, and hopefully to educators and parents everywhere and people everywhere who are listening, that part of the problem for these kids is not them. It is the structure and the box-like or classroom structure of the way so much education is done for many years. I'm not not telling you you have to stop doing that. I'm just telling you you have to understand hyperactivity disorder simply is a kid who needs movement. He needs animation. He needs hands-on. Mm-hmm. A lot of what happens with education is open the book, open the pencil, move it across the page, and listen to a lecture. The education, if you watched a film of a fourth grade class and another film of a college one class, 101 and whatever. Yeah. You say, geez, it's not all that much different, is it? Because forget the curriculum, it's the setting and the method. Well, very often, those kids who are hyper attention deficit, hyperactivity disorder kids, they need a more old-fashioned method. They need to be moving. They need to be a part of it. And when you learn that's true, you refer to the other things you want them to do as the horsework, the hard work. Mm -hmm. And then you give them freedom and animation within the structure of the hours you have as a teacher. It's good advice. And if you know that going in, you could be good at it. Yeah. Listen, Tommy, I think you're, you're, you're spot on. I don't know that I'm sure there are some people out there that are experts on this stuff. I can tell you that, you know, from my experience, I, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, uh, academic problems uh, with with my own ADD growing up. Um, if anything, I, I did really, really well in school. But uh, it, it was always behavioral for me because I got I was quick witted and I did my work fast and I wanted to talk to everybody and I couldn't not talk. <laughs> so I just wouldn't shut up. And that always got me into trouble. And it's interesting because, you know, there were teachers that got really angry with me. Um, and, you know, I look back and I go, well, you know, what, what, they didn't know better. And I didn't even know better. You know, I was never classified as anything. It's just, I, I didn't get this diagnosis until I was in my 30s. And I was like, wow, that makes tons of sense. So I thank you for your service as a teacher and 
and for for giving a damn, honestly, uh, because um, I can tell you did. Thank you, Tommy. I appreciate it. Big shout out to everybody on WCHS. And uh, let us continue before the music starts playing. Let's go to Carol in Bedford, Indiana, WBIW. Carol, go right ahead. Hello. I, I was also diagnosed late in my, uh, I was near about 32 when I was diagnosed. And then I realized I had ADD all my life, but uh, I'm mainly women. I'm a girl's daydream, so I daydreamed a lot. But um, I started having trouble concentrating. And I'm not one that believes in medicine just because you have a have something, but I had trouble concentrating. And so the Adderall does help me with that. Um, and of course, now I'm like 69. So, you know, I need all the help I can get. And um, but <laughs> How is the shortage I'm, affecting you, Carol? Father is hurting me because I have to wait like five. I'm without it like for five or six days. So I get totally off schedule. And, and oh, it's wow. just been, it's been messing with my life and I've got physical problems too. So, you know, it's like, it just adds to my stress and adds to everything else. Um, I'm and sorry to hear been, that. Been, yeah. Tell me if you could, we only have about a minute to, to go, but if you could let everybody know, what are some of, you know, when you're not able to be on the Adderall, what is it like? What are you feeling? What do you go through? Yeah, to me, it's dreamlike. It's like when I wasn't on Adderall, like I look in the past, and it, to me, it was a dreamlike existence. At the time, it didn't seem like that, but to look back. And so when I'm not on the Adderall, I don't feel completely together. I feel right. like I'm kind of living a dream. I don't right. know how You, you don't feel like it's real life. Right, right. And I'm not saying I didn't function. I function fine my whole life. I have trouble with being prompt. That's my main thing with right. ADD. I did real well on some subjects like English and stuff like that. I did terrible on stuff like geography because it, my brain couldn't pick it up. Right. Uh, but English, I did A's without studying. So it's like, you know, it's like whatever you're interested in is what. But um, this Adderall things really, it has really messed me up, you know. I mean, it's. Yeah. And I, what I do is stick with my own pharmacy, though. You know, people call around. I just wait a few days, and then my pharmacy, since I go to them, they get it in. Because the other pharmacy said, we've got to take care of our own customers first, and I understand Right, that. right, and that's, I just read that. Thank you, Carol. I appreciate it. Yeah, there's pharmacies saying that they're telling, they're lying, right? And, and they have to say, oh, we don't have it because they can't take care of their regular customers if they're getting new customers coming in. And it's just fascinating to me that we, we somebody won't just produce more of these items just like cars there's cars there's shortages on cars and stuff why don't we just produce more of these things i don't understand i honestly don't i thought supply and demand was how this thing worked anyway um we'll continue the conversation on everything from free speech to trump and tucker the deep state the radio conspiracy no more am radio i was just talking about that on tv yesterday and uh, we're going to continue with your calls and more. 833-4-VALDEZ. 833, the number four. My last name, V-A-L-D-E-S. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked right here. It's America at Night with me, Rich Valdez, and your calls. Now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. 
All right, let's dig right in. Lots of people, lots of opinions, calls from all over Dallas, North Bergen, New Jersey, Cleveland, Ohio, South Carolina. Let's go to Charleston, South Carolina, WTMA. Scott, go right ahead. Hey, Rich, thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, Man, sir. Thank you for thank you to Tommy. I appreciated his comments and Jimmy last hour. Um, I want to hearken back to I turned on the radio like five minutes left in your first hour. Mm-hmm. And you were saying if people disagree with you or your principles or whatever, if they're atheists, they could call in. And and uh, I really just wanted to applaud your disposition and your patience and your invitation. You're, you're like Mike Brady, but, you know, much better. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, thank um, you. That's kind. I want to tell you a little story. You ever watch uh, Judge Mathis on television? I love him. He's terrific. I, this is probably 15 years ago in my schedule. I, I used to watch him. Uh, one day he, he had a case. Lady, uh, she went in the beauty parlor. She paid $35 for X. I don't know what they do in a beauty parlor. And she felt like she didn't get it, and the proprietor wasn't giving her money back or fixing it. So the judge heard the case, and then I forget how he ruled. It's not important. But after that, he spoke to the studio audience, and he said, listen, you might be thinking, why are we hearing a $35 case? Why are we wasting our time over $35? And now I'm paraphrasing a little bit. He said, this is what we're built for. This is why small claims court exists. We don't want people getting in fist fights over $35 on the sidewalk or in the mm-hmm. beauty parlor or at the gas station or at the tailor shop or wherever. And it just, when you said that, and that, at the end of the hour, just reminded me that we we don't want that, and uh, just jog the memory. But listen, I enjoy the show immensely, and thank, thank you. you very much for taking my call. You bet, Scott, and you're welcome, and I thank you for it. And uh, I always reiterate that I think, and this is something I work on it myself. I I am not immune to telling people to go F themselves and say, hey, put your hands up. I'm really not, and I don't want to be that guy. I feel like the true sign of intelligence is being able to talk through things. Uh, Sometimes we can't, but I think we should try. Let us continue. Let's go to Steve in Cleveland on WEOL. Go for it, brother. Rich, how are you, buddy? Fantastic, brother. um, You got a, um, you're you're, you're just a, a pleasure to listen to. And sometimes I forget you're on at night, but, um, <laughs> I got, I got a two part phone call now cause I've been on too long. My son's got autism 25 mm. years ago. Long story short, cold Turkey took him right off of Ritalin. There's two parts of Ritalin. There's script and products. There's in scripts, there's your script and there's the generic. Well, the script didn't work that good with them and the time release didn't work that good either. But the generic, whatever reason it was, it was good. But what yeah. Ritalin does to kids back then, there's your kid bouncing like a rubber ball, and he's just sitting, just looking at something. You can give him a leaf. You can give him a piece of paper. and they look. That's what it does. Now, as you get older, 
ADD, that all goes with everything. One doctor said, well, you're either uh, got autism or you don't. Well, it really means basically what he said was you're either pregnant or you're not. There's a thousand levels of a cold, a flu. Now we're into COVID. There's a thousand levels of autism. ADD, everything is all over the place. But if people have been on stuff most of their life for something, they don't know what it's really like to be off of it. They know what it's like to feel they don't have it, so they're off of it. But to wean yourself off of something and find out where your mental weakness is, you just focus on that. And the simplest things will just to sit there and focus. As my dad said, there's a few free things in life. You know, like go for a walk and make the inside of your body work when you get older. Your heart and lungs kind of keep you living. But anyways, going from there, when you get rid of Tucker, you got Paul Ryan on the seat in there and then Murdoch and all that in Dominion. And you got uh, my pillow 2.0 now. You know, Mike Lindell dumps $40 million of his own money in there. There is so much proof. And listening to you talk, I don't know why people can't listen to just you're easy. You just easy listening, which I forgot to tell you, easy listening of the night. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but, uh, I appreciate but it, what Steve. It is, and you know what? I uh, just wanted to chime in on what you're saying. You know, th- this is part of the, the issue here is I, I don't know what's going on over there at Fox News. Um, all I can tell you is it seems like, you know, they made whatever errors or missteps they made in their depositions and whatnot and decided, all right, we're going to have to pay out all this money, $787 million, because um, Murdoch himself admitted, I think people people on my team weren't telling the truth, whatever it was. They've got these text messages and whatever, what have you. And it put people in some compromising situations, and there they go. And, and now things are happening. I don't know if two is plus two here making four. Uh, maybe I'm just the one deducing that and connecting those dots. But that seems to be the case. And all I could tell you is this is not a loss for Carlson. It's not a loss for, uh, for Bongino. These guys are huge. They have a platform where they can work again tomorrow. They're, they're not going to lose out. The one that's really losing here is Fox. And I just can't for the life of me figure out why they'd want to do that. But they did. And uh, they made their bed. They're going to have to lie in it. Thank you, Steve. I appreciate it. Uh, let's continue this conversation here. Uh, let us go to, uh, oh, yeah, this is a good one here. Phil in Butte, Montana, KXTL. Phil, go right ahead. Hi, Rich. How are you? I'm dandy, I sir. Wanted to, I got a few comments to make, I, and I'm sure you're not aware, but I, I lost about 45 minutes of your show tonight, and you abruptly went off the air, and huh. I don't know uh, how that happened, you know. I don't like that. Local station, or, but uh, yeah, I, I, you were off the air here for about 45 to 50 minutes. Well, you should let your so station anyway. know if you get a chance, but what's on your mind? Talk to me about AM radio. Yeah, uh, okay. Uh the the Democrats, or as I call them, American Communist Party, uh, <laughs> they can't keep their fingers out of anything. Now they're trying to get a bill or whatever, you'll probably know more about it, to prevent any new automobiles produced to be furnished with AM capabilities on their radio, only FM. Now you know what that means, so uh, all talk is on AM. So just another yep. way to silence you. Another way to throw me off the air. You know what, Phil? I talked about this yesterday morning. Uh, I was on Newsmax TV, and we had a conversation about this because Forbes had done a piece um, 
uh, highlighting the fact that Ford and Tesla had announced we're not doing AM radio anymore. And they were saying that it caused some issues with these new electric vehicles, the AM um, amplitude modulation, the frequency of it. Now, I don't know if I believe all that. Maybe it's true, maybe it's not. They're saying satellite and FM don't cause this problem, and a lot of people like to stream. The problem I have with this is this is a massive medium, massive medium, right? I mean, this is like uh, I, I said on, on TV, it's like Twitter on steroids, you know, and in real time, right? Because some people will see your tweets later, and you don't get to count the retweets here, right? I'm talking to you. You're talking to me. There's probably about six and a half million people listening. But then there's all the people that you're going to tell afterwards when you say, oh, you know, I was on the radio yesterday. We talked about whatever. And who knows who they're going to tell? And and it's that that aspect of this that I, I think just is what scares people, where you have this late night or any format uh, on talk radio where you have this ability to connect with people that they don't have and the ability to censor me because guess what if somebody doesn't like something i said a they've never done that to me and i don't think they ever will but b uh they've got to wait till tomorrow or just pull the plug while i'm talking right because i'm talking live this isn't a pre-recorded program so if you know if my boss somewhere wants to to say something he's going to say it tomorrow after the fact but with these um, other digital means, they can just kind of stop things midway, right? Because they can they have more control over it. It's not just live air. So I think you're on to something that, yes, you're definitely going to hurt conservative talk radio if you take AM radios out. But the good news is everybody can stream this program from just about anywhere on the planet. Rich Valdez, com. Hit the listen live button. You can hear it. Rich Valdez, America at night. Dot com Hit that listen live. And Phil, I thank you for the call. Big shout out to everybody in Butte, Montana and KXTL. Always a pleasure to speak with you, sir. You're a gentleman, a scholar and a patriot. We're getting to the rest of your calls and more straight ahead. 833-4-VALDEZ, 833-4-VALDEZ. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. No hair, no care, and live on the air, it's Rich Valdez. All right, we're talking about all things free speech, ADD, the media, Carlson, Lemon, you name it, Sue in Swanksville, Pennsylvania, W-E-E-U. Go right ahead. Hey, so yeah, a lot of great topics, and I'm going to hit a couple things real fast, but I do want to talk about the ADD. The Ira Einhorn thing happened in Philly. That's one thing I wanted to mention. And I agree with you on the radio thing. Uh, Live radio is where it's at. I do not do podcasts because as far as I'm concerned, that's dead stuff. You know, there's no immediacy, there's no spontaneity, and there's no input from the public on those. Well, Sue, I'm Um, pushing back here. I love live radio. Obviously, I do 15 hours a week of live radio. Uh, but I, I do a podcast and I love it. And it's a whole different world. You're right. There is no immediacy, but it's also this, this intimate thing where it's almost like a love letter that you're writing to the listener and they listen to the whole thing. So, um, I think it's just a different format. Um, but it, yeah, I get it. Uh, as a radio guy, I could see how it's difficult to, to do the both of them. Yeah. Well, you know, I've even thought about doing a podcast, you know, everybody and their brother does them. So, but, but anyway, <laughs> you know, I have ADD too. And with a side of OCD, 
Ooh. And, you know, it's very difficult to get things done when you're hopping all over the place. You know, I can remember from when I was maybe in first grade having my report card say she talks too much, you know. And yeah. But who would I be with my personality? And, you know, a few years back, I would say maybe when I was in my 50s or something like that, maybe 40s, I went to my doctor and I said, you know, can you give me something? I want to just calm down so I can, like, stop hopping around like a flea yeah, from one thing to another. I'd like to yeah, I'd like to get something accomplished. And you know what he said to me? He said, everyone isn't supposed to be the same. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, and again, maybe there's some truth to that. Look, a big part of my influence was the then CEO of JetBlue Airlines, who did an article, an interview where he was talking about his um, ADHD and how he he started taking, I think, Ritalin, and uh, didn't like the way he felt on it because he wasn't as spontaneous, wasn't as sharp. Um, he was so hyper focused that he felt that he needed that scatterbrainedness. To, to help him thrive. I think I also thrive in that world of uh, kind of whatever, organized chaos, and um, and I've made it work. But uh, how many people get, the, you know, to live the dream and become a talk radio guy where you can make this work? Uh, I think other people that have to have a job, right, <laughs> like a, a, a nine-to-five desk job, I don't know how anybody could survive if you have ADD and not, you're not on some sort of medicine because that sounds like a like a punishment almost, you know, but your good point, Sue. Thank you for your call. Big shout out to everybody on W E E U. Let's continue. Melissa in North Bergen. What's up? Go right ahead. How you doing? How are you doing today, sir? Dandy with yes, a capital D. About, yay. <laughs> um, I was just calling about the Adderall shortage as well. Uh, you know, as you know, uh, I have a child who has both. There's the inoffensive one, which I think a lot of women get classified with because uh, you don't even realize there's no, there's no hyperness except in your head. You know, it's just a lot of thoughts going on and what you're trying to control. And mm. I think a lot of people with the Adderall shortage don't realize how it's, it's, there's a stigma behind taking medication. You know, you feel kind of like looked down upon and it's really hard, like, you know, you know, with a, with children, they're struggling, you know, in school, you know, this is not just a, a regular, you know, day to day, you know, thing that, you know, you could be like, okay, I'll, I'll do better. You know, it, this is school. This is their, you know, they're really struggling. It's, it's, it affects them in multiple ways. The pandemic exasperated this. So I know there's a lot of more people got diagnosed during that time. Um, and it's just, it's just really hard. It's just, it, you, you kind of feel like it's really a struggle. On, on a, I have ADHD, my kid has ADHD, so, you know, it's kind of like, okay, it's a family affair. balancing it out somehow. Yeah, it's a family affair, we're all part, but it's still, you know, trying. you're trying to do the best that you can, knowing that somehow, way, you're going to be looked upon as like, you messed up or on purpose, because I think that's what the, the, the gentleman who was a teacher before was talking about. It's yeah. very true. We don't teach in a way that is really you know, that works for ADHD children. You have to let them, like, listen to music. And a lot of teachers have a problem with that. Like, oh, you can't listen to nothing. Like, you know, you put your phone, you know, whatever it is down. And that helps them concentrate because it somehow helps them focus, hyper-focus. Yeah, it's, you know, it's funny. I listen to an ungodly amount of music every day. (laughs) I have several playlists that I probably go through multiple times a day. Uh, Everything from my shower to my car time to you name, I just, and then talk radio and I bounce back and forth between the two. So I totally get that. Yeah, you just have to be able to, there are ways, you know, that you work around it, but then there are just days that are just like, you just really can't, it, it sounds 
it sounds like terrible, but it's like it's hard to function on what seems like a normal day to day or even your normal, you know, to you know, most people without the medication. Um, and then to have to be like 10, I've been, I've been without my medication for like 10 days, 12 days. And I'm constant. I have had to call What's that like? knowing that they're lying to me. That's terrible. It's terrible. And it's a really defeating feeling because you know that there are people who are lying to you saying that they don't have it. They're not even checking to see if they have it. What's it like when you're on the medication? When I'm on the medication, I actually, you know, because I have the inattentive one, I actually am focused and get things done. Like my, my surroundings match my brain. So it's like, it's like chaotic in there. Like my house is chaotic. But then if I'm medicated, you know, it's actually, you know, I'm clean. I'm focused. I can really get my work done. I can stay on task. Versus getting distracted by a butterfly outside my window or something, you know, like something. Right, like right. That. And obviously, really this could affect your. It could it could affect your not only your self esteem, but it could affect your professional outcomes, right? Your work product and whatnot. So that's that's a big deal. Well, thank you for sharing that, Melissa. I got to hit a break right here at this point, but um, always a pleasure. Big shout out to you and everybody listening on WFAS or on the app, Rich Valdez, America at Night. Hit that streaming, live streaming, listen now, listen live link. You won't miss it. Melissa, thank you. More to come straight ahead. Your calls and more. We're going to Jamestown, New York, WBAP, Dallas, Texas, Bedford, Indiana. Before we wrap up, don't go anywhere. This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. All right, and 30 seconds says it all. Don in Jamestown, New York, WJTN, go. Yes, uh, EM radio, can that be jammed like FM radio? <laughs> because my FM station, I'm just on Sunday only when I want to listen to Cash Roundtable, I can't listen to it. Because yeah, I, just, I, don't, I, I don't know. I, honestly, I, I think different signals get messed up different ways depending on where you are. But um, the good news about radio is that you can always go and stream it. And for this program, you can stream it at Rich Valdez America at night, but you can go to whatever radio station you're listening to and stream it from there. Thank you, Don. Let's go to Dallas, Texas, KLIF. Don, go right ahead. Ira Ira Einhorn was featured on uh, was featured on Unsolved Mysteries, hosted by Robert Stack. I remember that show vividly. Let me tell you. So I used what your other call were saying. Yep. I used to watch Unsolved Mysteries with Robert Stack with my dad and he loved it. And he had that like a really deep kind of voice. And he was like, I'm Robert Stack. It was terrific. Thank you, Don, for that. And I appreciate the confirmation. Let's go to Sarah in Bedford, Indiana, to wrap up this edition of Open Phone America. WBIW, go right ahead. Hey, I think uh, Saudi yesterday gave kids better tools to deal with ADD. Uh, more physical activity, uh, parents uh, molding their character, teaching impulse control, among other things. So uh, you have a good night. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah, well, listen, uh, I, those are some of the big issues, right? If I had impulse control, I wouldn't have ADD. <laughs> but uh, you can work on those things. I don't know that they ever really fully get resolved with or without medicine. I don't know. That's probably a, a different topic for another day. But anyway, take care. Good night and God bless. Hasta la próxima. Until the next time, we're going to do it all again tomorrow. I am Rich Valdez. It's America at Night. 
the Bigger Pockets portfolio of podcasts are worthy of your investment. We're having a real conversation as real real estate investors. New episodes available every day. It's important to buy where it makes money and not necessarily where you want to travel to. Bigger Pockets on the market, rookie real estate or money podcast. The purpose of flipping is to create more cash so then you can reinvest into other types of properties. The Bigger Pockets podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen.